0: disclaimer everything that you're about to hear is mostly commentary from this one guy daniel and sometimes some other people he's not claiming to be an expert on anything he most likely watched a one-hour youtube video read a book somewhere that he downloaded illegally and then you know said you know what i like these ideas i'm going to share with you what do you all think this is not professional. I am not a professional. Any advice given here should be taken with a grain of salt in your rice and two cubes of sugar in your tea. But think about them, really. Think about them, listen to them, you know, ruminate, balance on it and let me know how it goes for you hello good morning good afternoon good evening good night good whatever time of the day you're listening to this and welcome to another episode of the volatile times with daniel podcast and how are you doing my lovelies how are you doing my volatile community you guys loved the last episode oh my god like what anyway i am here Bringing back more of that goody goody, more of that juicy juicy, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, um, yeah, in for a fun time, yeah, you are so in for a fun time, especially with the ongoing series. Remember, for those of you who have been listening for a while, thank you, by the way, you guys are the best, like, you guys mean the world to me right now. You guys are the love of my life right now. How can I be romantic to you? Just tell me, tell me, reach out to me, tell me, yeah, okay, so. Here on the podcast, we are currently doing a series on romance, Um, more specifically on the ideology of romance, which is romanticism, you know, how it affects us, how it has made us unable to have fulfilling love lives, or, you know, what other things it teaches and everything. And last two weeks, we talked about what romanticism is and the major ideas it, you know, promotes the should I say, core assumptions or beliefs of romanticism, those beliefs and assumptions that propel this forward into every other thing that we're going to be talking about today. And if you feel like during the conversation, it's like, I can't really follow what this guy is talking about, I suggest you just go to the previous episode before this one, listen to that one, and then come back to this one. Although you should be able to follow, you know, I don't know. But anyway, moving on. Today, we are going to be talking about... The, should I say dangerous or just downright nonsense things that romanticism has us believing and acting out in our love lives and in daily life and just as a preface um the idea of romance is beautiful and i am not doing this series because i want everybody to stop being a romantic but i'm doing this series because i want to bring to light um some romantic ideas that we've had growing up in movies different things in disney beauty and the beast surely did not help which i'm going to be talking a little bit about beauty and the beast but you know these ideas that we have today and have translated into the modern dating world and even into the concept of marriage you understand and it's not really fruitful let me use that word it's not really fruitful for our happiness our satisfaction and you know fulfillment in life so that is why i'm doing this series and the major source for content for this episode is from a video by alan de Botton who is a British philosopher, he did a lecture in the um, Opera Sydney House in Australia on Romanticism, highlighting what it is, the ideas, the errors it has, um, and some possible solutions. But we're mutually going to be looking at those errors today. So, without further ado, let us go further. Okay, so, last time, talked about romanticism, the idea of the soulmate, how there's this one person that is perfect for you, this one person that is made for you in life, you understand, like when you end up with this person, ooh la -la, love is going to just click for you, and I don't know about you so far, but I doubt many of us have had the experience, yeah, I doubt many of us have had the experience, That experience of happily ever after and different things like that, and... You know, romanticism tells us that, oh, the reason why you haven't had the experience yet is because you just haven't found the one. So dedicate your entire life to finding the one, you understand? They are jobless. It's all about self satisfaction and differences like that. Now, how does romanticism hold up with human nature and all those kind of things? Yeah? What about ourselves, about our nature as human beings, does romanticism tell? You? Well, Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to the idea of the angelic nature. Now, Romanticism tells us that we are all innocent. Romanticism was created during the mid-18th century, you know, to the early 19th century, I think, there about. And then it progressed from there. And that was during the time where um, we call it the diminution or collapse of organized religion, you know. Basically, it was around the time where um, the church started having less, should I say, control over the society and Christian ideas were going out the window and being replaced with other forms of philosophies, or at least they were being countered or had competitions with other forms of philosophies. So now, there's this Christian philosophy that all human beings inherently are sinners, that we are imperfect, there's something wrong with all of us, we are all damaged in some way, and the only way to reach fulfillment and healing is to depend on God for salvation. But without that, we are all doomed, basically doomed, basically. Now, romanticism comes and be like, oh, that is a hopeless idea honey that is a hopeless idea let us tell you this romanticism now tells all of us that we are all innocent we are all angelic in nature in other words when we are born we are clean we are innocent our nature is without corruption without blemish we are basically perfect until we get introduced into society which i've been thinking about that for a while and i keep asking the question where did the corruption in society come from because last i checked Society is built by human beings, right? And if human beings are what makes of society, then the first set of human beings should have kept up with that sense of innocence. Like the nature of society itself should have been without corruption. But here we are, with romanticism telling us that, well, the only reason why we are imperfect currently is because of society and society's norms, society's expectations, and different things like that. And it's like, honey. Where did the corruption come from but anyway that's not the point of today's episode but it's just it's just something that i've been trying to understand and i just it just haven't clicked for me the doesn't answer that question of where did the corruption come from but it just says you get corrupted when you get into society hence you should spend all your time finding that other person who is going to be your soulmate and will complete you now here's the thing about telling people that there is nothing wrong about them like by nature naturally they are ultimately good people ultimately loving people and you know like they have the instinct for love and everything and they don't need to like there is nothing necessarily imperfect within them for them to address what it does is it creates a sense of self-righteousness as Alan de Botton, you know kind of points out It creates this sense of self-righteousness, like there's that dynamic that falls into a relationship of self-righteousness. Alain de Botton says, it is far better to insist that all of us, in various ways, are deeply crazy. None of us grow up with our sanity from childhood remaining totally intact, and it may take us a long time to work out exactly how warped or fucked up we are, but the thing is we definitely are fucked up in one way or the other. it might be like, what do you mean? Are you te- trying to tell me that I'm imperfect, that I'm fucked up? You know, that there's something deeply wrong about me? Yes, there's something deeply wrong about every single one of us. I think everybody at this point should start realizing that and accepting that. You understand? Um, and i button goes further to say, the reason why most of us don't readily understand or know this about ourselves, know the craziness that is within ourselves is because, well... <laughs> We lack self awareness or we lack you know great self awareness that kind of thing you know basically he threw shade at all of us and told all of us that we are not self aware nonsense anyway and he says one of the reasons why we are under self aware is because people don't tell us most of the time they don't point at, they don't point it out to us the flaws in our character the deep flaws in our character that need to be recognized and addressed our parents might not because they love us they care for us the emotions, the liberalism of motherhood etc 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 is too much of a bother for daddy to get into you know and i don't know this might not be nigerian parents because as i was talking i was like <laughs> have you met nigerian parents but when you look at it most nigerian parents don't readily criticize your nature or character they mostly just complain about things that they don't like that you are doing, but not necessarily as a reflection of who you are or your character. So, yeah, they might notice some things about us, but then they'll be like, eh, when he grows up or when she grows up, they'll figure it out. You understand? They'll change their kid right now. You understand that kind of thing? Then, okay, you might not ask the question, what about your friends? After all, what are friends if we cannot be honest with each other, right? But here's also the truth. As Alan the Button points out, and I kind of agree with this. The number one expectation we have with friendship is not character building, but it's to have a good time, it's to have a good time, Is to find that person who will make us feel delightful, who will make us feel um, joyful in their presence. Basically, we hang out with friends, not because we want to talk about um, what is wrong within us and how we can correct it, but because we want to have some form of distraction or pleasure in our daily lives so we have friends and they themselves that's what they're expecting from us to have a good time that's why all of you are out here constantly posting on your whatsapp status bad energy far away you know (laughs) that is basically the reason why and they won't tell us so then we switch over to the only people on earth who might most likely tell you without them getting paid That is your exes. Your exes will definitely have identified parts about your character that we definitely don't want to be seen out in the open and they might tell you about it. But most of the time, they won't also because they want to get away as fast as they can. So, that's why when we are breaking up nowadays, we quickly say, it's not you, it's me, I just need a break, I just need time away, you understand? I just want a little bit of space right now to work on myself and find myself. You know, it's nothing that you've done, even though it's definitely some of the things that you've done, definitely some of the things that you've done. Now, I'm not saying that every single breakup is your fault, I'm simply saying that, we are not all perfect in every relationship and it takes two people to break up a relationship i'm just saying i'm just saying now there's this thing about beauty and the beast that i never like beauty and the beast i think is one of the perfect examples of the whole assumption that human beings by nature are good people that there's nothing wrong with us and that you know when we just find that one person that one love in our life all the confusion all the corruption and everything would die out our souls will merge together and then you know we'll become one we'll become fulfilled we'll become whole i mean come on look at beauty and the beast story Beauty and the Beast. Just in the title, you already know that there's some shenanigans that's going on here. You have Bella. I think that's her name, Belle or Bella, which basically roughly translates to beauty, I believe. A little bit on the nose there, Disney. A little bit on the nose. But anyway, you have Belle who meets up with the Beast. Now, Belle is the most beautiful girl in town. She's the peak of innocence. She's seen as beautiful, pure joyful, she's basically rays of sunshine at this point, she's the rainbow dancing across the sky, etc, etc. Now, she meets up with the beast. Now, the beast is this wealthy guy who lives in this grand castle, but the grand castle, you know, is dilapidated, the grand castle is down, it is rugged, it is rotten, it looks dark and gloomy, and therein lies the beast, He's full of mystery, right? He's full of mystery. You don't really know what he is. At some point he shows you kindness, but but most of the time he's cruel. And you know, all everybody, all the residents in the castle just keep telling Bella, stay, your love is going to change him. There's something deep inside of him that needs to be brought out. His humanity is inside. He's a kind person. Making us forget that in the beginning of the entire movie we saw the prince deny a seemingly old woman shelter from the rain from the storm i mean how wicked can you be farm i mean if it's nigeria i can understand because wishes also fly in the rain let's not forget but eh, hey, i'm <laughs> i am getting ahead of myself now we have these two portrayals right the man and why is the man always the beast why is the man always the beast so misandrists. but anyway moving on There's this man, you know, he's a beast, he used to be human before but then he was corrupted so now his humanity is deep within him but his humanity has no way to showcase itself but we are going to assume that he's a good person. And obviously Bella being a good person, being of angelic nature, comes into contact with the beast. And then it turns out that they are falling in love and they are so meant they just understand each other. Then she's able to bring out the humanity in the beast and everything. And then at the end, by the power of true love's kiss, when their souls merge, at the alignment of the stars, true love showcases its power and the beast is thrown back into a mad. Oh, such beautiful scene now that is a whole lot of bullshit because I don't know about you but if I'm a woman and I see a, ma- a beast that walks and talks like a man the first chance of escape I get I escape and I am never returning ever mm. but there's another assumption of you know the love of the woman taming the beast in the man you understand bringing out the good nature that he's supposed to have as a man you understand devoting himself to her to love and all that kind of stuff and it's like that that doesn't exist if we go with that assumption that we are all good and perfect and then when we finally meet that one person we would become unable to deal with imperfection what do i mean by that we become unable to reconcile ourselves with the very much imperfect sides of our partner and then when something happens maybe something detrimental in some way we see this as a sign of a lack of love and that if the person loved me enough, we will not be having these issues and different things like that but let me not get ahead of myself, let me get to the next point. Another thing that romanticism believes is or at least makes us believe is that relatively speaking, we are all easy people to live with, you know, we tend to believe that, you know, uh, there are parts of us that are incompatible with a couple of people right and that is fine, but when we finally meet that one person who will accept us for all we are total acceptance which is another thing that romanticism preaches total acceptance of every single part of you every single part of your being which let me tell you the truth is impossible that total acceptance cannot happen because it means that both the desirable and undesirable aspects of you the person should desire and love every single part of that which I don't know about you, but me, I call bullshit. You know, you have a roommate and then maybe you move in with your boyfriend now and then it turns to hell, right? And you're like, you know, maybe the love just isn't strong enough and all that kind of stuff. And then you think, oh, he's not the one. Why? Because you guys have, you guys realize that it is tough to live with one and, one another, right? And then you think, oh no, if, if he was the right person, if she was the right one, we wouldn't have these issues with each other. I call bullshit again. I, sincerely, I really call bullshit. The thing is, we don't need people to be perfect in relationships. What do we need them to be? We need them to have a handle on their craziness and be able to warn us and prepare us for those moments with the troublesome aspects of their personalities outside of the actual moments where those aspects affect us. Because here's the thing everybody has bad habits, everybody has those parts of themselves that are just Pure wickedness. And if all of us could go into relationships with a handbook, a handbook of how to deal with me. So imagine I get into a relationship with somebody, and then I give her the handbook. The title of the book is How to Deal with Daniel's Craziness. You understand? Where she sees maybe i go through a mood swing or something like that and then she goes to chapter three how to handle daniel when he's doing this and this and this and realize oh this is what is going on this is how to handle this situation this is how to get past that moment of craziness if we could all have that we all have massive satisfaction in our relationships because there's a manual on how to deal with us but there's the thing in reality that does not exist I remember this series, it's called Cougar Town, and I think in season one or season two, um, I think season one, there's these two characters, um, Jews and Grayson, they get together, right? There's 40-something-year-old guys, they get together, they're now a couple, this and that. Then the ex, um, I think Bobby, the ex of Jews, comes to give Grayson a book. Now, this book is basically... um, Bobby's knowledge of Jews over the years, you know, the things that she likes, the things she doesn't like, how she behaves when she's angry about a particular thing, how to handle her in social um, situations, how to handle her when she's PMSing, all those kind of stuff, right? It's basically a handbook of how to handle Jews when she's crazy. Now here's the thing, Grayson does the romantic thing, goes, no, 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 I don't need this book. You broke up with her. In other words, you failed the relationship, right? I love her. I I love her. I I love her. If you've watched <laughs> if you watch Kissing Boots, you understand where their accent comes from when I say I love her. Because that accent is nonsense. But okay. You know, he went, I love her, our love will be enough, this and that, yada yada yada. And then days later he comes back and he's like you know what, I think I need that book, I, I think I need that book, because then he looked through the book and realized, oh, I understand what she's going through when she's in this, oh, I understand how to handle this when this happens, you understand, and if we could all have that, it would be so great, but here's the thing, we can't, we cannot have that, and that brings me to another thing that romanticism kind of just makes us crazy about, and that's the. Feeling the instincts that we we'll have when we meet that person, and by that instinct we totally understand them. There's no need for a lot of communication and these things like that. And which is, if you watch a lot of rom coms and romance movies a lot and drama movies, you realize that. Are, there's there's always these scenes where they are just staring into each other's eyes or where they're just you know standing close to each other they hold each other they stare for a couple of minutes and it's like there's an understanding that passes between them and they just know you get like you just you just know you know or or say for instance you know you go out on a date and he just knew what to say he just knew the right things to do
1: oh i'm in love
0: and it's like a Kilo Day, calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down. The truth is, you need to communicate. It's the romantic is the romantic idea of instinct and no need for communication and proper analysis of events and words that make us think that oh this person should automatically just know how I'm feeling. Can the person see that I'm angry? They should automatically just know that I'm angry and know why I'm angry. And most of the time nowadays media our media portrays it like i said it's women that mostly have that issue which i think to a large extent it might be true but i think it boils across to all genders men and women i think we have that issue of not communicating properly with our partners where we automatically just assume that they will know how we are feeling how to deal with how we are feeling and things like that which i don't know about you but that has never worked out that has never worked out, and it will never work out because human beings are not mind readers. We need to communicate to each other. And let me tell you another thing: we are not animals, dogs, wolves in the wild where we automatically just instinctively know what is going on. It's like no farm. You will not by instinct know how the person you love is feeling. You will not by instinct know what to do. You learn these things. Now, there's another thing with romanticism, which I think is a very, very controversial opinion that Alain de Botton expresses, and that is the concept of radical honesty in relationships. Now, I'm one of those people who believe that you cannot be totally honest in a relationship, not because you don't want to, not because there's something nefarious about yourself that you're keeping away from that person. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about keeping secrets, secrets that might be damaging to the relationship and things like that. I'm not talking about that, but it's this idea of totally being yourself, totally being who you are. Because in society, we put on masks, you understand? We we package ourselves in the way society wants us to be packaged, you understand? we present ourselves in that way, which in a way um, can collide or most of the time collides with our sense of identity, with our sense of who we are and how we understand ourselves and how we see ourselves. And you know, it's, it's a very, very jarring thing to struggle with. Like, we struggle with these things. It's hard to cope in society. It's hard to organize ourselves according to these views. And so, when we finally find ourselves in a relationship, and, you know, it's like, oh gosh, finally I found somebody who can accept me for who I am, totally, without any mask, without any shame. It's a very exciting idea, right? But here's something Alan de Botton says. He says that the idea that we can be fully ourselves with no reservation with who we love should probably be a treat, something we spare those we say we love from experiencing. We have to accept the role of editing ourselves in relationship. What does he mean by this? What he means is this, he's not talking about oh, keeping secrets from your girlfriend, from your wife, from your husband, from your significant other, he's not talking about all of that. Most of the time. What he's mainly talking about is this. There are aspects of you that you should not make the person you say you love experience. For instance, now I can be a very, very sarcastic person and I know how annoying I am. Or at least I have knowledge of to what extent I know how annoying I am. So I do my best to make sure that um, I don't come off really, really annoying or unbearably annoying. I remember typing that out on Twitter once. Why did I say type in that out? I remember tweeting once that, you know, it's good to recognize or acknowledge how annoying you can be because most of us don't really see ourselves as annoying people. But here's the thing you are an annoying person. That is the truth, it is fact. You are an annoying person and you will always be an annoying person. You will always be a frustrating person to be with. And it's very, very healthy, it's very, very proper for you to figure out how annoying you can be. Why? Because it helps you be a better friend to other people. It helps you make sure that people don't have to um, deal with you more than they should have to. I don't know if that makes sense. We all want to be ourselves, but we start with that assumption that who we are, everything about who we are is desirable to everybody. Everything about who we are is good. We make that assumption. And like I said in the beginning, if we assume or acknowledge that maybe, just maybe, we are not perfect, in fact, it's not maybe. If we accept that we are deeply crazy, we are deeply flawed in one way or the other, that when our parents were raising us, although they did their best, they managed to fuck us up one way or the other, if we accept that, then we'll recognize that the idea of totally being ourselves without reservation is a bad idea. Why? Because every single part of you is not something other people should experience. It's not something other people should appreciate. And it's not something you yourself should appreciate. In fact, you need to filter yourself. Um, There's this thing I'm seeing on YouTube nowadays, you know, where black women are advising other black women that if they really want a successful marriage, they need to learn to shut the hell up. Which, they are not saying women don't have a voice, but it's like, you don't need to express everything, you know. Sometimes, you know, um... You might see two people arguing that oh you don't want to why is it that you don't like taking me along whenever you're going to go hang out with your friends you know like are you ashamed of me this and that you know that might be the case or 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 maybe the person realizes that maybe my company or friends is not conducive for you you being there you you will not relate to these people you don't speak the way they do you don't value the same things they do you don't have the same interests in the things that we as friends have interest in and that will make you have a miserable time in their company and be like oh you just have bad friends it's like no maybe they are just not your type of people and that is fine just because you are dating somebody or in a relationship with somebody doesn't mean that their friends automatically should become your friends and your friends should automatically become their friends it's good to you know have other people's companies because here's the thing, another thing that romance has given us, this bad idea that romance has given us, is the expectation or the thing about making the other person your world, making your world revolve around that person. So you expect that person to make you happy, to make you fulfilled, to make you content in every single way. Um, I was watching this YouTube video by Adela, um, Adela Fadi, I hope I pronounced that well. I'll link the video down below. It's also talking about romance and how it damages, damages um, dating and our relationships and stuff like that. She mentioned something that, um, she said, we expect from our significant other what we used to expect from a community. In other words, the satisfaction, the sense of being and fulfillment that we used to receive from being part of a community. We expect our significant other to fulfill all those roles, to be our best friend, to be our confidant, to be our therapist. To be our um, teacher to be etc 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 we expect them to do so much from only one person and the reason why we expect that is because we think they are perfect after all they are so meet; they will be able to meet up with every single expectation and every single standard that we bring to the table to them which is not true everybody has their roles and everybody has their strong suits and everybody has their weak sides and the thing is you cannot gain satisfaction from one person alone i mean come on even that one person is not satisfied enough you think you you that you can't satisfy yourself you that you can't make yourself feel so fulfilled and not once in a while ask yourself the question of what am i doing here on this earth you think you'll be able to make somebody else Totally satisfied, and when I'm talking about satisfaction, I'm not talking about sex, no, I'm talking about that sense of being every day. You think everything about them is going to be desirable, everything about you, they are always going to want to hang out with you. It's like that can't work, and the reason why it cannot work is because people are not built to cater to every single one of your needs. Like, one person cannot do that, one person cannot be both your confident and at the same time. Be your best friend or something like that. It, it just cannot work because it conflicts sometimes. Some of these rules conflict, and when you expect one person to fulfill all of those rules, you get you get a lot of conflict because when the person criticizes you at some point, you'll be like, But aren't you supposed to be my best friend? Aren't you supposed to be on my side? And different things like that. It's like it creates this environment of unfulfillment, of constant failure and then there's no satisfaction in the relationship. And I don't think there's anybody alive currently who wants to run their relationships like that. Another thing that romanticism does damage our relationships is the sense of realism is lacking. There's no realistic perspective to how people are going to be in a relationship. Why? Because You just expect it to be perfect. Everything is supposed to be by instinct. No proper communication is required because you just know, you just understand each other. We are all mind readers. That is what romance tells us, you understand? And any single time there is a misunderstanding or someone doesn't meet up to an expectation or something, there is no sense of grace in relationship because romanticism declares that it should all be perfect and it should all just naturally fit. When it doesn't fit, then it's an interpretation or it means that there's a lack of love that needs to be made up for and that is very very toxic i don't know about you but i think that's a very very toxic idea now back to the concept of realism there is no discussion of who's gonna clean who's gonna cook you know there's no discussion of how are we going to raise children bathroom schedules different things like that there is no talk of all these realistic things that happen in the real world you know, we just automatically expect that everybody knows what to do, which Alan the button expresses that love is not just something you feel, it is a skill that you need to learn. I used to be part of the camp of people who always goes, why are you reading books about love? Why are you reading books about dating? Why are you reading books about how to be a better boyfriend, better girlfriend? Like, isn't this thing just common sense? But the truth is, it's not. It's not just common sense. It's something that you spend time to learn because it's part of it's part of learning how to be a proper human being, how to be a good enough person for everybody else and also for that significant person that are going to be dedicating part of your life to, like a huge chunk of your life to. You know? The idea, the thing with romance is that there is no proper establishment of um, relationship dynamics. After all, romance, The romantics believe that analysis or thinking ruins feelings, you know, like it ruins the validation and justification and realness of the feelings that people feel. It's like when you start thinking about it, you know, your emotions get corrupted by your thoughts and it's like your brain needs to be the game when it comes to the issues of love. It is naive to automatically just assume that everything is going to fit well because it's not a realistic form of love. Now, I'm not saying that romance cannot be in relationships. Actually, I love romance. You know, I love the idea of romance. I love the idea of being romantic with my significant other or somebody being romantic to me. It's a good idea, but at the same time, we need to balance it out with how we actually are with how human nature is, the circumstances around your relationship, the circumstances around you. For instance, now I know that there's a chance that whosoever I'm going to be dating in the nearest future, I most likely might not like some of her friends. And they might not like some of my friends, not because they are bad people, but simply because they are just not my crowd, right? And now I can make that a bigger deal than it's supposed to be, or I can simply learn to... Be forgiving and accepting of that aspect you know one of the things that is a fun time for me is listening or watching um youtube essays you know like hour-long essays talking about different aspects of life that is sometimes a fun time for me and if we are always going to be together, if we are going to be following that romantic idea of whosoever it is that you are loving, you guys should always be together, you know, you guys should have the exact same interest, listen to the exact same type of music, you know, watch the exact same type of movies, we are not going to be compatible. We are not going to be able to love each other. Why? Because we don't necessarily delight in watching the exact same kind of things. And, you know, it's very, very prevalent nowadays in a modern dating scene where, you know, when you ask people what they're looking for in a partner, they're talking about things like, you know, you watch the same movies, you listen to the same type of music, when these things, to me, in my opinion, these things are not ideal these things are not necessary for a long-term fulfilling relationship with anybody you understand like you don't make friends with people simply because they only listen to the same songs you listen to or because they have the same type of expectation of everybody it's like no now at the same time i saying reduce your expectations for people i'm like no but create realistic expectations, I'm not saying those expectations can be high, I'm asking are they realistic because it's romantic to create expectations and criterias and just expect that you know, whoever is going to come along will be the one and he would or she would automatically just fulfill those fantasies. It's a romantic idea but it's not a good one, it's not a realistic one. Have your expectations, but also have them with a dice or a dose of reality, you understand? Like, have those discussions. Talk. Communication is proper. Communication is good. Talk about different things, you understand? Also, learn to have a filter. Learn to have a freaking filter. Now, finally, the romantic idea is you love every single thing about the person. And I believe I've touched on this before in this episode, but I just want to... Reiterate it again, um, alain the Button talks about the ancient Greeks and their idea of love. Um, let me read it out. He says, the ancient Greeks believed that love is admiration for the perfect and desirable size of a person. The more accomplished size, the virtues that the person holds, you know, the, the sense, the good character in the person. Now, obviously, there'll be imperfectness, there'll be undesirable parts of the person that you most likely be generous towards and forgiving very very important words, generous and forgiving towards those imperfect sides, but the thing is, you still won't desire them, you still won't love those aspects of them, you love the good things about people, but you don't necessarily desire the bad things, the imperfectness, like you can be generous, you can be forgiving, you can make excuses, you can make allowances for people, you understand, you can always be forgiving, always be understanding, but that doesn't mean that because you are, you necessarily love that part about them. You know, you watch these movies and, you know, the girl always farts whenever she laughs and the guy just thinks it's cute, you know, and the guy, you know, doesn't talk, you know, like he just crunches up his face, he doesn't talk, he barely communicates and she thinks it's cute, it's lovely. Those are romantic ideas, but when you think about them in the long run, all you see is or all i see is a future of problematic relationships where because of a lack of communication lack of expression a lack of truthfulness uh, and the lack of realism all you're gonna have is issues all you're gonna have is issues so he further goes to say that the ancient greeks believed that love was a process of mutual education to better each other not a dealing out of criticism because you want to harm the other person or you because you want to bring them down. Says in love, you know, everybody is the student and the teacher. Today I'm the teacher, you know, I'm teaching you about part of your characters, part of your flaws that I think that you can work on. And you know, next tomorrow or tomorrow you're telling me about something you noticed that i can work on and then we accept criticism from each other we accept teachings from each other and with that we grow each other you understand we grow each other make sure we are better people and in that We create a union where because we know we have the best interest of each other at hand, there is always going to be that sense and awareness of love, even though we are not always acting lovingly towards each other. We will be generous, we will be benevolent, we will be kind, we will be good to each other while teaching each other about our flaws, appreciating our virtues, appreciating the sides of us that we deem as perfect and desirable. He believes that that is the ancient Greek idea of love and like, importing that into the modern day is going to help us, you know. But, I hope this episode was helpful for you because these romantic ideas, we don't really think about romance a lot and how it affect us, how we see ourselves in relationships, what we expect in relationships and different things like that. But, If we spend time simply just thinking about these things, thinking about how they affect us, realizing the flaws in these romantic ideas and how we can balance them out with a sense of realism, a sense of realisticness about who we are and accepting our imperfections and then accepting the imperfections of whosoever it is that we will be with, I think we are from that going to be creating a structure. Uh, foundation of good loviness if that is a word so thank you very much for listening if you have any objections to any of the things I've said in the past 40 minutes or so send them to me my email is in the description or show notes of this episode. My Twitter is there. My Instagram is there. But if you need me to say them out, I'm fine. Email is all to Dan at gmail.com. If you don't know how to spell that, it's in the description below. Instagram is at Volata with Daniel. You know, follow me, like the post, spread the gospel of this podcast. And Twitter is Daniel Briggs. And um, yeah, also there is a review form. If you have a feedback and you don't want to go through the process of going to instagram going to twitter going to my mail there is a google form in the description of this episode it's always going to be there just you know go to the episode click on the google form give me your feedback give me your suggestions give me your criticism of the episode give me your objections to any of the ideas in the episode or if you need advice or you want to ask a question ask It's there. It's all encompassing. You understand? And I will see you guys later. Remember, I will always be Daniel Brizadisa, your host, or the host, the only host for now of Volatile Time for Daniel podcast. And I'll see you guys in the next two weeks. Bye-bye.
1: Fly me to the moon and let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on a Jupiter in Mars. In other words, hold my hand. Oh, in other words, baby, kiss me. Fill my heart with song and let me sing forevermore.